Wade in the water. We didn't wade much last night. It was, it was flooding last night at my house. I don't know about where you live, right? What a storm that we went through. In fact, I've heard from several of our members today that uh, were without a power or had tree damage and fence damage that they weren't able to, to be here today. So I appreciate you weathering the storms of last night to be here. And isn't it a great reminder that sometimes the storms we face are, are not the physical storms of weather. Appreciate your prayers as our family's gone through the storm of cancer this summer. And, and as many of you are aware, Gay finished her last chemo on Thursday. And, and she's got a tough storm to go through here over these next uh, 10 days or so. But we're praising and, and trusting that from this point forward, as she gets through these next 10 days, she'll be on her way to healing and to health. And I know a lot of you are, are experiencing storms in your families right now. It's tough. Um, storms are all around us. Uh, and it leads me to our question for today. So we switch from the metaphor of storm to wilderness. Do you ever have the sense that you're just wandering around in the wilderness and, and maybe you don't know exactly where you're going? Maybe your wandering is such that you don't even know who you are at times. I'm reminded of a story. It's told as about 50 prisoners of war, French prisoners of war, that spent a, a grueling, even tortuous time in, in prison camp in Indochina. And at the end of the war, they finally were, were, were brought back to France. And one of the the struggles, one of the results of the uh, testing and the, the torture and, and the experience they, they went through is that many of those men suffered from amnesia. There were no records of these men or, or they'd been lost or, or whatever, but they returned back to Paris and, and many of them didn't even know what their names were. And so uh, the, the, the Paris newspaper got pictures of all these prisoners of war and they ran them in in the paper and they said, if any of these men look familiar to you, then we're going to gather at the opera house, at the, this, the gathering place of the community on, on this night. Please come and help us to identify these prisoners. So the opera house was full that night. And as the first prisoner walked out onto the platform, the crowd, the congregation became silent and he looked out over that group of people and he said does anyone out there know who I am does anyone out there know who I am does anyone out there know my name and you know even today I think that that is a question that so many of us in this world, in our nation, are asking, who am I? Does anyone know who I am? I think it's at the heart and the core of who we are as a people, as a nation. I think our nation is asking that question, who are we? And so I want us to, to explore and to consider that idea, that thought today, because I believe that every person must be able to, at some point in their life, answer this question. Who am I? 
Who are we? Who are we as a family? Who, who are we as a people? And until we do that, we'll continue to find ourselves wandering in the wilderness. So do you know who else wandered in the wilderness? Well, it was Moses, of course. I think Moses lived to be about 120 years, and most of that 120 years he, he spent wandering in the wilderness. Let me share his story with you again. If you remember, his birth took place in a, a violent and oppressive time. The Hebrews had been slaves in Egypt for, I believe, 430 years. And they were being afflicted in great and torturous ways. The Egyptians were becoming paranoid and afraid of the numbers of the Hebrews, so the Pharaoh issued the order that, that all male children who were born must be immediately put to death. And of course, Moses was born during that, that time. Yet Moses' mother, just like all moms, right? Moses' mother believed that, that there was something unique and special about her son. That, that God had a, a special plan for him. And she was not willing to give herself over nor her son over to Pharaoh. And so she hid him. She hid him for three months. The story that we find in Exodus chapter 2 and, and chapter 3. She hid him for three months, and there came that time where she wasn't able to, to keep him quiet anymore, to, to hide the cries that would come from this little boy. And so she began to devise a plan, a way to, to save her son, and, and she built a basket, a, a wicker basket, and covered it in tar and in pitch. Some of your translations will refer to that as an ark. No, that word's only used twice in the Bible. The first time when God saved Noah and his family in an ark. And now Moses is placed in an ark. Is strategically placed on the Nile River in, in some reeds where it was known that Pharaoh's daughter would, would come and, and would bathe and, and relax in the afternoon. And, and sure enough, as we remember the story... Pharaoh's daughter discovered that basket and she discovered that little boy that was within and, and as the plan had been developed Moses' big sister just happened to come along at that time when Pharaoh's daughter discovered the basket and she said, oh, she said let me go and, and let me find one of the Hebrew women who can, who can nurse this little boy and can take care of this little boy and sure enough the Pharaoh's daughter said, sure, go ahead. And, and she went and she brought Moses' mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said, you know what? I'm going to provide for you and I want you to, to raise this boy. And it's interesting, the language there kind of reveals that what's going on. She said, Pharaoh's daughter said, I will give you your reward. I think Pharaoh's daughter knew what was going on. And she saw the love of this mother who would go to extreme cost to protect and to save her son. And she said, you've got your reward and I'm going to provide for you. And, and so we believe what probably would have happened is that Moses' biological mother would have cared for him for three or four years. 
during the, that nursing period. Of course, Moses would have transitioned into the home of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter. And of course, there he would have been raised in all the great education, the wisdom, the knowledge, the, the politics, and the religion of the Egyptians. And oh, how don't you know during those adolescent years, teenage and early adult years, how Moses must have asked the question, who am I? Am I a Hebrew? Am, am I an Egyptian? Who am I? And then one day the scripture tells us that Moses grew up. That, that he matured. He had an understanding of, of what was going on around him and, and who he was. If you would, he, he, he matured to that point where he had eyes to see. He had ears to hear. And he saw the great oppression and the great oppression that was being put upon his people and he saw an Egyptian particularly cruel to some Hebrew slaves and Moses reaching out in a sense of justice in his anger in his his passion he lashed out at that Egyptian and and killed that Egyptian oh how are uncontrolled passions our uncontrolled anger, even when we are moved by justice and by what is right, when we allow our anger and passions to act without control, gets us into deep trouble. And Moses was in trouble. And when Pharaoh heard of this, he declared that Moses was to be put to death. So Moses was forced to flee into the wilderness where he would wander for 40 years, again, asking the question, I'm sure, who am I? Who am I? And there in the wilderness, Moses met his wife. He married her. He became the shepherd of his father-in-law's flocks. What a waste Moses must have sensed and felt and believed his life was. Wandering about in the wilderness, caring for someone else's flocks. The scripture tells us that he named his son Gershom, which means, I am a wanderer in a foreign land. Who am I? I don't even know where my land is, where my country is, where my, who my people are. But God knew where Moses was. And God continued to prepare him for the purposes that God had for him. Back in Egypt, the affliction and the oppression of the Hebrews grew. And in God's perfect timing, one of the great events of history came to being what we call the Exodus. A new Pharaoh, a new Pharaoh who did not know Moses, who, who did not have a, a, a bounty on Moses' head, a new Pharaoh came to order. And the cries of the Hebrew people became greater and greater and greater. And God was at that point of being ready to bring about their redemption and their salvation. And Moses? Well, Moses was still wandering in the wilderness. And then one day, Moses witnessed something that he'd never seen before. A bush had caught on fire. 
he'd seen bushes on fire before. We've all seen a, a Christmas tree, a cedar tree, right? When it, when it ignites, it's... And, and Moses saw this taking place. And yet it caught his attention because that bush in that dry wilderness desert area, that bush, it, it wasn't consumed. It didn't burn up. It just kept burning. And it caught his attention. And he began to go towards that bush. And when he got to a certain distance... From out of the bush, he heard his name, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Isn't it amazing that even in the wilderness, God knew Moses' name? Church, we need to be reminded today that no matter how far we've wandered into the wilderness, that God still knows our name. God still calls us by our name. And I love the fact in this story that Moses knows how to respond. How do you respond when God calls your name? Well, what, what better way to respond than just to say, here I am, God, here I am. And Moses responded, here I am. Let's pick up the rest of that story. Exodus 3, verse 5. We'll read a few verses. Picking up in verse 4, that part we just told. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And, and then the Lord said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then down in verse 9, Now behold, the Lord, <clears throat> the Lord says, The cry of the sons of Israel has, has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now. And I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. When the Lord calls your name, you are standing on holy ground. When the Lord calls your name, you're standing on holy ground. Those are what I want to call take off your shoes and hide your face moments. Have you had any of those experiences? When the presence of God was so rich and so deep and so powerful that you, 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 had, to do, you, had, to, you had to take off your shoes. You had to hide your face. Because God was with you in a powerful way. Take off your shoes moments are those holy moments that, set, that are set apart from the rest of life. They are the moments when you find yourself in the presence of God. They are the moments that God changes your life. They are the moments when God opens up the windows into your heart and into your mind so that you can know who you are. 
I think of those take off your shoes moments in my life. The day of my salvation, I remember. I remember coming to that realization, that, that moment when I had grown up, so to speak, and everything clicked, and I, I knew of my sinfulness, my, my need for God to save me. It was a holy moment. It was a take-off-your-shoes moment. The, the, the experience I had in my call to ministry as a teenager was a take-off-your-shoes moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. The day I married, gay, Lord, what am I doing here? Wow. What's going on? Take off your shoes. This is a holy moment. When my kids were born, Lord, what have you done now? (laughs) Right? God, I can't do this. Take off your shoes. I'm with you. I'll never forget. Chad was aware of this story. I hadn't been a pastor very long. I was a youth in college minister uh, most of my young adult years and I'll never forget the night in my first church at Georgetown when I went over to visit with a couple he was he was dying and I sat with Bud and Margaret as he took his last breath take off your shoes it's a holy moment when I accepted the call to come and be your pastor was to take off your shoes. Holy moment. Oh, I hope you have, I hope you have those moments in your life. And I hope you share and you tell those moments because those are the moments when God is so real in your life. It helps to shape you. It helps you to know who you are. Oh, that we would have more of those take-off-your-shoes moments and experience the power and presence of God. But, but also together, those hide-your-face moments. Those hide-your-face moments are those moments when we come to face-to-face with the, the glory and the holiness of God and of our own sinfulness, of our own guilt before God. We all remember the the climax of the Indiana Jones movie, right? The first one. As the Ark of the Covenant is opened up, that symbolizes the the presence of God, the Spirit of God. And do you remember as, as Indy and Marion are tied there to the stake, Indy whispers over to Marion, shut your eyes. Don't look at it. No matter what happens, don't look at it. It comes from that sense, that realization that the holiness of God is so great and so different, is so awe-inspiring, so fearful that that we need to turn our head and close our eyes. We need those hide-your-face moments because they remind us that there is a God. And guess what? I'm not God. (laughs) You're not God. And we're definitely not God. We need those hide-your-face moments because they remind us of the awe and the reverence and the fear that we are to have before a holy God. Take off your shoes and hide-your-face moments. Lead us to the question. The, The question that Moses asked immediately. 
Immediately after that moment, who am I? Who am I that I could go to Pharaoh? Who am I that I can go and do this great thing that you've called me to do, God? And then I love the Lord's answer. I'm the God that goes with you. I'm the God that will be present with you. And I think Moses, a little back and forth with God, right? Okay, I've asked you who you are, and you said, that's not important right now. All you need to know is, I'm going with you. And then Moses says, okay, well, if you're going with me, I need to know your name. Pharaoh's going to want to know your name. Your people are going to want to know your name. Who are you? Who are you? If you are going with me, God, then I need to know your name. You see, until Moses knew who God was, he really couldn't understand and know who he was. And so God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is my forever name. This is how I want to be remembered and how I will be remembered in every generation, forever and ever. I am. This is the name of God that we translate Yahweh in English. In the Old Testament, whenever you see the words, the Lord, that's Yahweh. That's this covenant God that is revealed to Moses here in this instant. It is the God who reveals himself as the great I am that we sing about today, who is, who he, he is who he is, he is who he was, and he is who he will be. Listen to this. His is the name whose meaning can never be exhausted. I am. Well, what does that mean? Exactly. You can't define it. Its meaning is inexhaustible. This is the God who reveals himself to us today. Tell Pharaoh, tell my people that I am sent you. And so here's the truth for us today, church. We cannot answer the question, who am I? Who are we? Until we've answered the question, who are you? Who is God? For you see, our lives are shaped by God or by the gods. that we call upon individually and as a nation. In Matthew 16, Jesus gathered with, with his disciples at a place called Caesarea Philippi near the Temple of Pan. The unique thing about the Temple of Pan is it was located right near a cave. And this cave had a, a pool of water in it. And this was believed to be the gateway into the underworld, the gateway into Hades. It was a place where all the gods would winter, if you would. They, they tried to, to drop cord down into the, into the cave, and they could never find the end. They could never reach the bottom. And so they believed that's where all the gods would gather. And so Jesus is with his disciples here in this place. In this place of the gods, if you would. And he asked the question, who do you say that I am? And it was Simon, son of Jonah, 
who answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, this was Simon's take off your shoes and hide your face moment. And Jesus, in that moment, in chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus gave Simon a new name. He said, you are Peter. This word means rock. It's, it refers to a small rock. You are Peter. And upon this rock, it's a different word for rock. It's a bigger rock. And upon this rock, the rock of your confession, the confession that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, Upon this confession, Peter, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, remember they're, they're sitting at the gates of Hades, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And from that moment on, Peter knew who he was and he knew where he was going. Again, we will never be able to answer the question, who am I, until we settle the question, who are you? It wasn't until Moses settled this question that he was able to leave the wilderness and become the deliverer of God's people. It wasn't until Peter settled this question that he became the leader of the early church and disciples. Does anyone know who I am? Asked the prisoner to the audience. Does anyone know my name? Do you know your name today? Do you really know your name? I believe that if we'll listen carefully, listen carefully, that each of us will hear the voice of the Lord calling our name. Today, could it be, could it be that today is your take off your shoes moment? You discover what God's doing in your life and who you are? Could it be that today is, is a hide-your-face moment for you as you come face-to-face -face with a, a holy, pure, and righteous God? If so, if so, your response will shape the rest of your life from this day forward. Will you, like Moses, reply, Here I am. God, I hear you calling my name. I'm here. I'm here. Help me to know who I am. Lord, help me to, to get out of this wilderness that I might become and do all that you've called me to do. And if we'll respond in that way, I believe with all of my heart that God will call each of you out of your wilderness, out of the storms of your life, to that life of purpose and meaning, even as Moses would discover, it takes him back into the wilderness even as we go back into the storms. But we know our name. We know who God is. We know God's purposes for our life. Would you pray with me? When we offer that prayer to God, here I am, what we're saying to God is, God, I, I, I turn away from my own ways and I turn from my sin. I repent and, and I turn towards you. And by faith, God, I receive your grace and I receive your forgiveness. And from this moment forward, I commit to following you, to following your plan and your, your purpose for my life. I follow you not just as my Savior, 
but I follow you also as my Lord. Here I am, Lord. I am present. I am available to you. Use me. Send me. Lord, save me. If this is the prayer of your heart today, if this is the response of your heart, I, I pray that as we sing in just a moment, that you would make that commitment to the Lord. You would, you would cry out to the Lord, here I am, and allow Him to, to save and to redeem and to, to cleanse you. You know what? Maybe you just need to, at your pew, just slip your shoes off as a, a symbol of recognizing God's presence, God's call on your life. Take off your shoes, hide your face, and listen to what God is saying to you today. Oh, would you respond and be obedient to Him as we stand, as we sing, as we say in our own way, Lord, here am I. Let's stand. Let's sing.